Welcome back to Bentley Arena here on the campus of Bentley University in Waltham. Mass score at the end of the first period of play. Merrimack leads Bentley one to nothing on a power play goal by Tyler Irvine. I'm Mike Macknick with John Leahy. Tonight's first intermission is brought to you as always by Fuddruckers, an official partner of Merrimack Athletics. Make sure that you stop in at Fuddruckers for a burger or delicious salad before or after the next Warrior game. Located just down the street from Merrimack at 550 Turnpike Street. They also have locations in Reading and in Salem, New Hampshire. Well, our guest here in the first intermission, he is the Assistant Athletic Director for Communications at Merrimack, Chris Aliano. And uh, first of all, Chris, Warriors came out. I mean, I think you can see a little bit of uh, uh, Merrimack had two games under their belt, Bentley not yet. A little bit of rust on, on the, in the case of for Bentley, Merrimack got some chances I thought earlier in the period, especially on the shorthand too, uh, but then finally on the power play, a nice cross-ice pass from Logan Coombs over to Tyler Irvine the one-timer in the goal, and that's the difference in the game Yeah, I'd absolutely agree on the sentiment that Bentley looked a little rusty to start. You definitely could sense the energy at the beginning, they were amped up, it's their season opener obviously, and, and for all intents and purposes obviously it's really cool for this to be the first ever home opener here. I mean obviously the last three games they played here last year was pretty cool, but I'm sure a lot of people were looking at this date this year really to get, you know, they, they worked at all the bugs they might have had from last year, uh, all the amenities here, everything's locked down, and it really does feel like a brand new arena, so I wasn't surprised to see Bentley come out, maybe not carry the play, but definitely had, I thought, a little bit more of the chance at the beginning, but it, it really was great to see Merrimack kind of stick to its guns, believe in itself, get the the power play opportunities that they did, and I think it's going to be even at 3-3 three to three at the end of the period, obviously, with the late one for Bentley, but uh, like you said, great play uh, for uh, a Merrimack team, I'm sure it was a little frustrated to come out on the short end of the stick last week after a couple of tough, hard-fought uh, one-goal losses. Uh, so to take that in the locker room is great, and that junior class, to see two people that weren't Sammy Tavernier kind of obviously get the scoring chance there and to get the goal, uh, Tyler Irvine, that being a second of the year, uh, I think that's going to be a you know a make-or-break. Guys that aren't Sammy Tavernier in that, in that junior class, uh, to get that, not just secondary scoring, it's got to be primary scoring this year, because you know with all the scoring that they lost, uh, you need Sammy Tavernier, you need Tyler Drevich, who had an assist last week. Man, he looked good again uh, early in his first period. Had a couple of chances. Um, guys like that, and of course Logan Coombs was someone that I think we all thought um, could have a potential for a breakout year. Certainly has the skill. That was a great pass. And to see Merrimack come in and get that one nothing lead after 20 minutes, 20 minutes, I'm sure they're feeling great. But a big, big power play to kill to start the second and to keep that momentum on their side and to make sure they're still feeling good about themselves. You know, I've come to think over uh, you know watching this game for a long time that really. A lot of it just has to do with the speed in which you play the game. People talk about a team being fast and, and, and speed and so on. I really think it has more to do with decision-making, how quick you move the puck, how quick you shoot the puck. Not so much do you skate fast, which is what a lot of people think of. And you saw that play happen, and there were some other ones that happened earlier in the period as well. Quick release, you know, obviously the one-timer by Irvine is key. Uh, the quick play by Coombs to make that pass before Bentley was sure what he was going to do, things like that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, It's one thing to say you want to play fast. It's another thing to actually do it. And like you said, it's not just moving your feet. It's not just skating hard. And I feel like that's something you often hear. Uh, the speed of the game for the young players, the freshmen, obviously, the newcomers to college hockey. Um, but I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing, uh, you know, Chase Greesock and, 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 uh, and Jordan, Jordan Seifert. They look like they are keeping up with the speed of college hockey. And that's, I think, an identity that Merrimack's going to want it, uh, that Merrimack's going to want to have this year. You kind of saw it in that first game last week. Uh, I gave you guys that stat the last that Merrimack scored four goals and lost. But that's a pace that I think uh, Coach Borg wants to play. I think Coach Curtis Carr, obviously, as well. Uh, they're trying to open things up a little bit, trying to take advantage of that young blood that they have. And 
they're not a particularly big team this year. Um, I think uh, you know the average height they might still be ranked top ten in the nation. I got to check those notes again. Um, but they don't feel very big. Maybe on defense on the back end there's some height, and I think Johnny Kovacevic kind of bumps the average up a little bit. Um, so maybe Matt Ricardo as well. But they're fast. They're, there's some real speed in that lineup, and I mean we see flashes of it. Um, guys, not only Tyler Drevers and Tyler Irvine. Um, Simon Luth guys can, can move with it too. I think you're going to see a little bit of flash in this. Alex Carl, he's a slip skater. Um, and, uh, but obviously, it's, it's putting it all together. And I think we finally saw the speed. Um, Merrimack has a little bit more speed than I think Bentley does. And obviously, there's some rush to start the year. But I think that power play kind of encapsulated it. And there were some moments last weekend. I think you know, uh, Cypher had a couple of moments there. And obviously, remember Tyler Drevich had a couple of moments there as well when they got behind the defense. Uh, Jackson Bales, I think, too, has some sneaky speed. Um, it's putting it all together, obviously, finishing at the net um, when you have the, the chances that you do have. Yeah, I agree. I think certainly a key is going to be some, finding some of those guys that maybe you know, don't have a, a track record, at least at this level, but you know, being able to take that next step, being able to score some goals or set up some guys for goals, whatever, what have you. I uh, wanted to ask you about one of the rules changes. 19 skaters now. Obviously, you got to find room for the 19th skater on the line chart. You've done a pretty darn good job of that so far, but uh, what do you think? I mean, does it... Is, is it worth it? Does it help a team? Is, is it an extra player that maybe just complicates things? What do you think? Um, it's, it's interesting. So I, I read, it snuck up on me, obviously. Yeah. It was last Saturday, and the 19th skater came in. I was like, huh, better fix this. Uh, I was literally about to hit send and send it to you guys. Anyway, I went back and I read the NCAA rule, um, and I get the rationale. It's, it's participation-based. Get those numbers up. Um, I could also see why coaches, you know, might be steadfast on keeping it at 18. You know, you really got to you know, you earn that 18, and I feel like coaches might think that, um, you know, the depth side of the argument, if you were to lose a defenseman, you're only skating with five, and you're skating with, uh, you know, one less forward, then, you know, that's an advantage that one team, you probably don't want to admit it, but when if you see another guy go down to the other team, that probably you tell your bench, hey, remember, they're shorthanded now all across the lineup, you can use that, so... That seems to me to be the biggest argument, yeah. that you use it as a, use a seventh defenseman, because whether it's a case like Tyler Height tonight from Merrimack, that you're trying to get him back in there, but you know, you know you don't need him the whole game, or maybe you have a guy that's banged up, you know, you don't want to fall down to five defensemen, but you have a guy that's there. I'm, I'm not sure with the forward that it works out so well, because you have to figure out where to slot that guy in and get him some time. I agree, and um, so that's the one side of the argument, right? The other side that Coach Borick, I think he and Mike McMahon touched up in their podcast this week, um, Coach Borick was, I think, on that side of the argument. He wanted to keep it at 18, but I think I think that's the majority of the sentiment in hockey East, if you asked everyone, if you pulled the room at media day. But then he found himself pleasantly happy and surprised with uh, you know how much he liked it because for a young team like Merrimack, it gave him the opportunity to play a Chase Olsen, to play a, a Tyler Height tonight, uh, to play someone else. I forget last week uh, in the second game last week, Christian Simeone came to the lineup. I know Bales was the extra forward, but Bales has played all three games. Guys that, if not for this rule, who knows when they get their first games. Um, so that's the other side of it as well, the development side of it, not just you know the, the NCAA can uh, you know towed out the the participation argument. It's a development thing too, especially for young players who might not have, you know, who knows if you had a rock solid lineup. Who knows when the Christian Simeones or the Tyler Heights of the world might have gotten in the lineup down the road. But So I think that's, I, I don't think I have, not to sound you know, all Switzerland here, but I don't really have, I, I don't mind. Uh, so I'm fine, pretty neutral on it right now. Well, we lost Burt Hamill last week, uh, longtime head coach of Merrimack men's basketball. Uh, very sad, passed away last weekend. 
I uh, just want to get your thoughts on Bird. And, you know, he's obviously long career here. You've been here for part of it. But uh, guy, I mean, the accolades, the, the, the kind words that came from every area, really, of the, of the sporting world were, were just you know, really impressive and, and tells, tells you the kind of impact that he had. It was far-reaching. I mean, uh, I felt very, very blessed uh, to work with all the coaches I have with the Merrimack. Um, Bert Hamill was someone that uh, in my first year I got, I had a bunch of different sports, but here I was, um, second year out of college, second year in the industry, and um, I got assigned men's basketball in Merrimack, I was pretty pumped about high. I mean, it's a big sport, obviously, and they've, they've had a rich illustrious history, and I remember the first time sitting down with Bert thinking, here's this guy with all these wins, and oh my god, and... Yeah, 30, 30 seconds later, a minute later, like I couldn't feel, I couldn't have felt more comfortable laughing. Like I was just looking at this guy, and there was no ever any ego birth. It was, I mean, it's tough to kind of articulate how awesome of a human being he was. He touched so many lives. Um, someone that so many of our young coaches, Curtis Carr being one of them, I had a chance as we put together a piece on the website this week to kind of gather some quotes from coaches and how much he meant to them. Not only are we green from a support staff. And, you know, all across the athletic department, we're green with a lot of our coaches and coaches like Monique LeBlanc, Joey Gallo, obviously, that's the basketball coach, Dan Curran, Curtis Carr, Mike Morgan. These are all people that might be in the 40s, maybe, if that. I mean, Mo, I think, is in the 30s, Joey as well. They're all really young, and they all looked up to Burke, and he was someone that, yeah, he could talk X's and O's, and it kind of transcended the different sports. It wasn't just always basketball. Um, but he could also go in there, and then, you know, 10 minutes later, he could walk out not having to talk about anything about sports and just that was Bert in a nutshell. Um, you know, God bless that man. We'll be missed. We're, we're all really thinking of Jill and, and his family. Um, and I think everyone that was there this week that stopped by either of the services, um, a three-hour wait, I think, at the end of the ceremony, too, just to see him. So um, rest in peace, Bert. You'll always be thinking of you, and thank you for everything you did for this department and, and for all the Merrimack Valley. Thanks so much, Chris. We appreciate your time. Uh, also appreciate all the terrific work that you do to uh, give us information and help us be able to sound better. Thanks very much. Oh, my pleasure. Can't believe we're back already, guys. Uh, pleasure again to be back with the two of the best in the biz. Um, let's do this. Another college hockey season. Let's go. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Chris. That's Chris Aliano. He's the Assistant Athletic Director at Merrimack 4 Communications. And we will be back with more right after this. Score at the end of one. Merrimack 1, Bentley nothing. This is Warrior Hockey.